Before we get started, if you love what we're doing on the Church Sound Podcast, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Check out our YouTube channel. And if you want more information, go to our website, www.churchsoundpodcast.com. See you in the matrix. Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast, where kingdom culture, real life, and technology intersect. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor, Caleb Winley. We're here to help you get through Sunday. Did you hear the pastor? What about your live streams, social media? We provide solid solutions for all of your multimedia needs. Let's learn something today. Let's go. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your humble host, Mr. Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor, Caleb Winley, who is on sabbatical. He just had, he, he got a, he got a five-year-old and a three-month-old and an angry wife, you know, and I said, I said to myself, self, you know, help that brother out. You know, he needs a, a little, uh, a little relaxation. So let him have the day off, which is great because I have a great, great guest today. And I was going to read his bio, but it's like reading the B-I-B-L-E. No, that's not true. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you're like, very, you're very kind. It's like it's like it's like it's like reading, you know, a a a, 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 um, a, a nonfiction novel. It is. Well, well, I'm I'm an old guy, so uh, there's a lot on there. There's <laughs> a lot on there, and to tell you the truth, all the questions, all the answers to the questions are in the bio. So I refuse to read this thing. Okay, well there you go. So let's welcome to the program, Mr. Van Minchin. Did Thanks, I say man. your name right? Did I, did I Me- right? Me- Mechke. It's Mechke. a you very know, hard I, word. It's very hard. I, I, I don't. I don't blame anyone because <laughs> you know you should see our mail if you want to get a laugh. You should see our mail. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, M E T S C H K E, which is five consonants in a row. Only the Germans do that, which is like. I blame I blame my my ancestry. I'm wow. like really seriously. I mean, I couldn't have just made, been named like Jones, you know. So yeah, don't no. Please do not worry about it. It's uh, it's um. Well, I'll just call you Van. That that, that helps. That's what everybody calls me. That's yeah. what I call you Van. Van is from the Church Tech Profiles, and we kind of found each other on Instagram. Yeah. Um, started listening to a show, and I was like. I would love to have this guy on because I think he would add another slant, and I think for both our programs, I think add so. Add another yeah, slant yeah. for 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 both our programs, and yeah. um, dude, just amazing bio. Just you've well, everything and everyone just about. Well, uh, I just like I said, I'm old and I've <laughs> just been around, <laughs> just been around a long time. You know, and I, I just, you know, I started doing this when I was 15 and um, I just kind of fell into it. Uh, like like many people, you know, I, I started mixing when I was in a high school church choir. Wow. Um, they were dumb enough to let me <laughs> like <laughs> push faders and turn pots and you know oh, and God. i didn't blow i didn't blow stuff up so i guess uh, i was okay hey, didn't I didn't, speak or an amp. <laughs> yeah and so you know i just kind of fell into it and and did um you know and then uh when i was uh right out of high school a friend of mine a couple of friends of mine from church they got a record contract uh with a company that was owned by maranatha records 
okay. S back way back in the eighties. Um, and, uh, the, I went to a show and their sound guy, poor guy, he's a, he's my best friend from high school's brother. So I won't even say his name cause I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to say is going to sound terrible, uh-huh. but he was the terrible sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I heard, and I, and I love him, him, but, uh, he didn't know what he was doing clearly. And, um, uh, so I, yeah, I, um, I, uh, told him, I said, man, you guys are awesome. You guys are great. It was like a techno pop band, you know, back mm-hmm. in the eighties, you know, lots of synthesizers, direct, like kind of direct, mm-hmm. it was like a Christian mm-hmm. Duran kind of a gotcha. thing, gotcha, gotcha. And, um, which was, you know, big back then. And, uh, so, uh, I just said, Hey, you guys, you guys are great. Um, even though I was kind of more of a, <laughs> of a guitar driven kind of a guy, you know, mm-hmm. but I really liked their music and they said, well, Hey, we're going to be playing at this Calvary chapel down in, uh, San Diego next week. Uh, would you come down and mix the show for us? And I'm like, sure, yeah, whatever. So drove down there and mixed and uh, ended up touring with them for six years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, um, road managed them, booked them for a while. Uh, um, and then, um, and in that, because they were with this, they were with a sub, uh, a nut, they were with a label, uh, that was kind of an offshoot of Maranatha, which was called Frontline. Frontline mm-hmm. Records is still a Christian label yeah, now. Yeah, today. yeah, definitely. And, but this is when it first started, and um, so I got to meet tons of the bands there. Ton, you know, and we'd be at these shows where they'd have like showcases, and they'd have like fifteen groups, and you know, I'd mix, and then they somebody else would call me and go, "Hey, we like the way they sounded. Can you mix our thing?" So I just ended up mixing a bunch of bands, but wow. I primarily was toured with them, and then when I was done with that, I. I worked for an, uh, a small integrator. Excuse me, for those of you who don't know what an integrator is, basically is you know audio, video, lighting installs mm-hmm. uh, here in Southern California. Um, it's a buddy of mine, and uh, we also did live events. We did both, so we basically did installs during the week, and then we did live events all weekend. So it was basically a twenty-four-seven job. It never, you know, it was just, <laughs> yeah, pretty know, much. But we were, you know, we were young, and my wife and I, you know, we had a little. We had a little kid, we had a little, our first daughter and I didn't want to tour anymore because I didn't want to be on the road with my kids, you know, with having mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, then I did that and that's how I actually started mixing a lot of different groups because we had some contracts with some local venues where we'd wrote in the sound for some local theaters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we just did a ton of stuff. I mean, like, you know, you, you saw them, the bio, we did crazy stuff like, uh, right after Clinton Gore got elected, we did a town hall for Gore, <laughs> Vice President Gore. Um, did a town hall, so that was my first uh, uh, experience with the Secret Service. <laughs> wow, <laughs> totally insane! And um, uh, yeah, they don't have a sense of humor. Just remember that <laughs> they don't really, they don't really have a, they don't really have a sense of humor. Uh, but uh, and they're as intimidating as you think they are like hands down you're like wow i gotta be on my best behavior wow but we, i did that and uh and then also i did a uh you know so it was like both both sides of the aisle i did al gore and then a little bit later we did a, a whistle stop a train stop thing for uh newt gingrich when he was running for president wow. they literally did a train like they stopped 
they were on a train and they stopped at all the different stations. And we did the one in Burbank, California, which is outside of LA. <laughs> wow. So I did that. And then I did a ton of stuff. Uh, when Tony Bennett was coming back, when he was kind of coming back to I being, we did some shows with him. We did Tito Puente and the Latin jazz all stars. We did oh. just all this stuff. And it was just random, you know, whatever. And then we did tons of punk shows, thrash shows, um, you know, tons of Christian rock shows, uh, festivals, uh, reggae festivals. We used to, we used to do the, the Cal State San Bernardino Reggae Festival. Okay. Um, we did that for a bunch of years. That was fun. Man, reggae music is awesome. Like, this, yes. they just love reggae music. And it's, uh, um, you know, I just love I, I really liked the fact that we did so much different stuff. Like, it was different. Everything was different. You know, we honestly did Lawrence Welk's orchestra one time, um, and then we were doing reggae, and then we were doing metal shows, and then we were that's, doing that's, 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 a music, that's musical vocabulary. Yeah, and which, so which comes in handy. Yeah, and I and I mixed most of those shows. I mixed on stage monitors. That was kind of my job in the company um, uh, and systems engineer. Uh, so I got a real education in that stuff. Um, you know. Everybody always goes, who'd you mix that was like super famous? Did you, you know, I'm like, well, most musicians, most sound guys mix the middle. And that's kind of what I, you know, what I did. You know, I was uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know, I mean, I, I mixed for people that knew that, you know, I mixed for people that had opened for Michael Jackson. I never met mixed Michael Jackson, Jackson, but I mixed for people. And open for Michael Jackson. Right. So it was kind of like that, you know, so, right. but, Amazing. and then, um, then I got involved with um, one of our biggest customers uh, was uh, this little up and coming church down in Southern California called Saddleback. They were meeting in a high school and I think they were running like 6,000 people in a high school. Wow. And uh, uh, for those of your listeners who don't know, that's Rick, War- Rick Warren's Rick church, Warren's church um, yes. you know, <laughs> and um, so they were one of our customers and we were doing live their big live events, like they do Easter outside, they do this stuff and they didn't have a home. I mean, they were literally in a high school. And so we were doing their events. And so we did a bunch of events for them. And um, so they moved onto their property that their main campus is on right now to this day, the main campus is Saddleback, which is in this town called Lake Forest, but it's kind of Southern, basically down at the beach, Southern California ish. And um, uh, they uh, uh, built this tent so it was one of those sprung tents, you know, that has mm-hmm. the metal, has right. the metal, but it's, but it's a tent. They built this on the property. Um, and uh, I was telling somebody the other day, it's, it's really funny how, how, how churches can, if they just don't care, if they only care about preaching the gospel, right. churches across denominations will help each other. That's true. And uh, uh, they got that tent from John Wimber, who, yeah, right. which is the vineyard church which is the vineyard movement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they literally got that tent from john wimber's church which was here in southern california too and so they had had it they put it in storage rick bought it from them they built it again and then our the company i i worked for we uh put the sound system in that tent and then just through some weird circumstances that things happened um the owner of the company that I worked for, there was one of my good friends. He had, he had a heart aneurysm in his thirties and passed away. And, uh, uh, 
at that time, at that point, they were building their building that they're in now, their 3000 seat auditorium, their main campus building. And uh, through just some circumstances, they hired, they asked me if I would come and be their full-time audio director. Um, And then that would be, uh, I, you know, so I, I would mix all the services and then basically if Rick toured or they traveled or did other events, whatever I would, that was kind of my job just to be the sound engineer. Wow. Um, so that was cool. That was a fun job. Cause, um, you know, it's a huge system. I remember we had the first, uh, no, probably no one cares about this is listening, but you'll appreciate <laughs> this. Uh, the first console we had in there was a, Soundcraft Europa, which is like the biggest yeah. analog sound yeah. console ever made, was yeah. giant. And then we and then we downsized. Yeah, what was funny is most people won't even remember this, but if you're an old sound engineer like me, uh, they built it, and when they put it in a case, they realized you couldn't turn it around in a truck, so it couldn't pack. It couldn't pack in a truck. It had to go sideways. So it was, you know, that no one. Apparently, Soundcraft didn't think of that when they were building it. Uh, and then we got rid of that, and we bought an AMEC recall um, that was really l- literally the first recallable console. I mean, it wasn't fully recallable. Mm-hmm. Basically, what it was is you recorded it on the computer, and then it would play it back and tell you where to turn the knobs to get it back where it was. Oh. It, didn't tr- it didn't turn the knobs. It's like puzzles. It, it told you where the knobs were. Uh, and, and was re- we had the Rupert Neve version, which was really hilarious because you could actually turn Rupert Neve's digital voice on. And as you turn the knob, he would tell you if you were correct. Wow. He'd like, 1K, more, more, too much, back. And it's British accent, right? Oh, gosh. That's so, what- yeah. So we'd say, you know, we need to talk to Rupert tonight. So we'd turn him on, you know, when nobody's in the building. Wow. Uh, but, and that console was owned by cub colby he had it literally had come off the janet jackson tour and right to us and so that was really fun and um so yeah i I was there for about i was there for five years and then i went to another church called mariners which is also a big church here in southern california Uh, i was the assistant td there and uh, we built a bunch of buildings and did a ton of stuff and uh, my, the console, the console that I had there was the console that I bought when I got there was a, a ATI, a, a Paragon two with that was okay. a great console. One of my favorite consoles. It's like a European sports car it broke down all the time, but man, it was really fun to mix on. Um, <laughs> you had to have a whole box of spare parts. I mean, I'm not lying. We had a whole box of, 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 uh, wow. Of modules for it. Cause it would literally just stop working just in the middle of services and stuff. It was great. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was there for five years and then uh, went on to another church locally here. Uh, and I was there for seven years. And then, uh, and then uh, two churches later, I wound up at a co- the company I'm at now. So I finally left after 20 years of full-time ministry tech. I um, ended up at a company called CCI Solutions. So that's like my day job. Uh, we're audio video integrator that does stuff all over the United States. Um, And uh, I'm the church relations guy. So basically that means I just get to hang out with people and um, see if we're right, if we're the right fit, if we can help churches um, and, and uh, have a lot of lunch, which (laughs) uh, I I like food. So that's amazing. That's a good, it's a good fit for me, but I've, I've continued to mix all these years. Um, 
uh, when I was, when I was at Mariners, it's kind of like the podcast stuff was starting and uh, a buddy of mine who I had met through the internet, through another podcast, uh, was, uh, Mike Sessler. He started uh, a podcast called church tech weekly, which was on for 10 years and 300 episodes. And I was one of the co-hosts of that. Um, we just ended here this last year. He just finally was like enough 300 episodes. We're done. Um, wow. and, uh, and so church tech profiles, which is how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually done church tech profiles for about, a, I don't know, like 50 or 60 episodes back, like maybe 10 years ago. Wow. And then I just, I got so busy. I couldn't do that and do the other podcast and do my full-time job of tech directing and stuff. So I kind of put it on hiatus. And then um, when church tech weekly was going to end, um, we were all kind of talking and I said, you know, I think I'm going to start church check profiles up again. Um, awesome. Awesome. So that's what we've done. What a, what we're, a ride. We're, yeah. So we're on, I think episode nine, 10, something like that now. Um, and it's just fun. It's fun to get together with people and, um, and uh, you know, and um, uh, you know, just talk about tech and right. uh, just the struggles that people are having. And one of the things, and you and I talked about this when we talked the other day on the phone is that um, tech is a universal language in, in the church. Yes. And so it doesn't matter what color we are. It doesn't matter what denomination we are. It doesn't matter what our style of music is. Uh, I jokingly told you, I said, no one talks, no one wonders what, what your view of, of dispensationalism is when you're in the tech booth, you know? No. And so, no. you know, that's the kind of, that's one of the things I love about this. And uh, I was uh, super stoked to, you know, to, um, to be able to talk to you and to get on the podcast. So, and what people don't know too, is that I'm actually going to broadcast this podcast on my podcast too. So it's going to reach like, you know, a lot of audiences and well, you know. I'm, 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 I'm excited just about the conversation period, just about the conversation yeah. period. So what I want to do is yeah. I want to make this, see what happens when you make me read the bio. It's way longer than if you just way read longer it. If I read it, <laughs> it'd have been short if I read it. That was you're saying. Maybe because I you wouldn't embellish it like I do. So <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. No, no, I wouldn't have. So it's something we do every week in our podcast. We call it Sunday School, and with Sunday School to all our new listeners out there, it's funny stories that we tell it that we share amongst texts or just church folk at church. Mm, um, sounds that dangerous. We, that we sound that we that we deem funny. I'm going to save you. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds dangerous, man. I'm going to say, I'll get on the hot wire this week. I'll get on the hot wire this week. Okay, so let's get into Sunday school. So Sunday school, my Sunday school topic, so what we normally do is, I'll have three topics. Okay. You pick the one you want. You pick the one you want. All right? So I can still get myself in trouble is what you're saying. You still can get yourself in trouble. You still can get yourself in trouble. Awesome. All right. So the first three topics are, first topic is the lost guitar player. Okay. The second topic is what's in my wedge. The third topic is where's my lavalier. Mm. Boy. Yeah, I have stories of all those, man. (laughs) 
That's like mutually assured destruction, though. You got to be very careful. Uh, I'll go with um, what's in my wedge. What's in my wedge? For I, I really, I really want to go with the lost lavalier, but man, I can't tell those stories without really kind of nuking myself. <laughs> Okay, what's yeah. in, what's in my wedge? So I was mixing because you don't want to because you don't want to tell stories about pastors you worked for, like because that's that. Oh, well, I, can, you, I, I can frame it now. I can frame it. I'm, I'm I'm a master at this. I can frame this. So if you want to go with what's in my where's my lavalier? No, let's go with what's in my wedge. You I like sure? that. Are yeah. you sure? You absolutely sure? Uh, okay, let's go. Let's go with where's my lavalier because I have a really good story and I know the pastor actually won't mind me. So go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So what's in my lavalier for 50? Okay. All right. I'm mixing at an undisclosed location. All right. I'm mixing, and this is my first day mixing. It's kind of like my audition mix for this church. That show will remain nameless. And the head guy who, who I'm replacing is pissed off. Mm. We've gone through this. But I, I've gone through this. Oh, yeah. He's got he's he's a little perturbed. I don't I don't really judge the energy too well because I'm kind of like I'm focused on what I have to do. And he's there. And he's there. Oh mm, boy. He's there. I don't know I'm replacing him. <laughs> awesome. This is the thing. I don't know I'm replacing him. I just know they brought me in to mix. So he's on the side. Mm. Uh, he's 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 like 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 maybe on, on to my left stage left and. And I say to him, and I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the pulpit, and I'm, you know, when the, when the, when the minister's about to go up, you, you're really just eyeballing, like, and I'm looking, and I don't see the lavalier, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and they're about to introduce him, so I tell him, I say, listen, I need you to go down to the stage, and tell him, um, I can't, I don't know where his lavalier is. I think I think it fell down his his jacket. Now I'm, I'm now I'm half screaming at him now. You need to go now, now, right now, because sometimes you, you don't have time to go. Listen, praise the Lord, God bless you, yeah. um, my brother. If you could, oh, I would graciously love you to just go and tap the the man of God on his shoulder and let him know that his lavalier is missing and somehow disappeared. Could you please? Kind sir, there's no time for that. They're yeah. introducing him, run down to the stage, get up there, get in his ear and say, could you please put your, your lavalier on, whatever. Yes. So he runs down, he gets in his ear, the minister looks up at me and I go, you know, I give him the hand single, the up single, he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. So he puts it on, does it, does, does his, does his thing, the guy's mad at me. So, after he gets off, after he finished preaching, he just disappears. I don't see him. And I hear, oh, God. Mm -mm, oh, man. Oh, dude. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I, I caught it just enough, you know, I was like, ugh. Right, you but, got it. Got got the fader down. Right, I got the just fader to, down, just, muted, took him out of everything. Uh, I was man, like, mm, yeah. I hope yeah. <laughs> no one heard that. But he, uh, 
he was he was in the midst so of praising the Lord in in a, in a very mm-hmm. delicate fashion. Yeah, there's this there's this old movie, uh, The Naked Gun, where Leslie Nielsen, yes. the exact same yes. thing. Yeah, yes. that's every sound man's night. That's a nightmare. Oh man, that's like that's a nightmare. Man, this is my man. audition mix. Yeah, well, it's always good to get that out of the way first, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just uh, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna have that happen, it should happen on the very first day. And listen, yeah. I was yep. terrified. I was yeah. like, so okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cast and girls, that is Sunday school. What we're gonna talk about today is really tech training concepts. And you were the perfect guy. So I want this to be a two-way conversation. You ask me stuff, I ask you stuff. Cool. Um, so I guess my first question from a guy who's mixing so many different venues, areas, styles of music, things of that nature. What is your training concept? Hmm. Yeah, you know, you sent this to me and I I like, wow, that is such a great that's a great <laughs> question. Um well I you know I, I the way I learned is not the way anyone should learn. Um Really, seriously. And so, so let me, let me explain to you how I learned and then I'm going to explain to you how I train. Is that, is that cool? Um, so, uh, the way I learned was basically just being thrown into the fire constantly, consistently. Um, and, and having a few people on the way that were really good that like sat behind me and said, yeah, you know, here's what you do. This is what this does. Um, you know, I mean, I first, you know, uh, I would have loved to have had, we would, I would have killed to have, uh, digital consoles back when I started, you know, I love it when I hear young guys complain about the digital consoles. I'm like, uh, dude, we used to have to write down all the settings for every single band and then try to get it back when they actually played, there's like five bands a night. That was like a nightmare. Right. And so one console, right. That's why the, that's why the, 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 the headliner always had a separate console. Yeah. Cause then it didn't get jacked up. Right. And everybody else just had to put up with the same console and you hope it got back to the, you know, to sound check. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I just got thrown in it and had to learn, had to learn it, had to ask a lot of questions. Um, you can't be, you can't be bashful and shy when you're trying to learn that's, this stuff, that's a fact you do. And you got to be humble. You got to go, Hey, um, I don't know how to do this. I remember telling a guy one time, um, I walked up to a console. It was a gamble EX 56. Look it up. Young children. You, will, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sure they have pictures of it, somewhere, somewhere on the, <laughs> on the interwebs. Right. But that was a big console back in the eighties. And, um, I had never mixed on anything that big before. Like I, and, and it, it, a lot of the, the pots were in reverse cause it was like a British console. So mm. it was, so they weren't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't zero yeah. to infinity. It was, it was the other way around. Yeah. And so I walked up and I kind of freaked out. I like a little bit. And so the house engineer, I said, Hey, um, look, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I have never mixed on the console this big before. It's super intimidating, but I will tell you this. I know how the band's supposed to sound can you help me get there? And he laughed. This is this old guy. He was probably, he actually was probably younger than I am now, but uh, he said, 
I will help you because you're the only young person that I have had come through here who who's actually admitted to the fact that they didn't know what they were doing with this concert. <laughs> and so that actually sparked in me, okay, that's a good way to, you know, that's a good way to go. So that's kind of how I learned about a lot of stuff. Now, I would not recommend that to anyone because um, you make a lot of mistakes and you get a lot of feedback and, and I'm not talking feedback in a good way. I'm talking <laughs> actual feedback. Uh, yeah. So, but the way I train um, has changed over the years because it's one way you train one way on analog consoles and you train completely different way on, on digital consoles. Digital consoles have made it so much easier to train. I mean, so much easier to train. We live in a great time right now for technology. I mean, yes. um, I mean, you know, technology is, is our, our nemesis and our friend simultaneously, you know, yes, he's sir. both, he's both, he's, he's technology to me is Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator one and in Terminator two simultaneously. <laughs> right? So it's like the best of both worlds, but, but, uh, the way, the way I used to train, um, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, the way I used to train with analog consoles is literally I would sit there and have them bring up a mix and, and, and literally stand with them. And you'd have to like share the space and talk about stuff. And it was a long laborious process. The way I train on digital consoles is uh, completely different because most digital consoles now have either an iPad app or they have like an offline app, you mm -hmm. know, that you can use uh, like Yamaha. It used to be called studio manager. Now it's called mm -hmm. uh, CL studio or whatever they, mm -hmm. they keep changing the name, whatever it is. Um, so I can be sitting next to the console with my iPad or surface or whatever, or uh, the computer. And I can actually kind of be, you know, get the mix up and then we kind of, I can kind of massage it and go, now I'm going to do this. Listen to that. And I'm going to pull it up and down. I'm going to change this. And they can watch it happening in real time. And that's, you know, that that's kind of how I do it. Um, I also don't ever train people live in a, in, a, in a live situation. I mean, like I'll train them in sound check and go, okay, you're going to help me get sound check happening. And then when the service starts, you're going to sit over here and I'm going to run service. Right. Um, you know, and... Um, the other cool thing that's, that's happened now that is such a, that is awesome is folks, if you have a digital console and you are not using, um, virtual sound check, you are missing out. Mm. Um, virtual sound check is one of the greatest things to ever happen. And here's the thing you can buy a $3,000, $4,000 Allen and Heath SQ five and use virtual sound check. You can yeah. buy an, a Behringer X32. Um, I would not recommend that you buy one, but you can buy one and you can, I mean, cause if that's what you can afford, that's what you can afford. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or persona studio life or something right. like that. Mm -hmm. And you can use virtual sound check. You have a computer, you have a DAW program and it could be, and it doesn't even have to be an expensive DAW program. You could use Reaper, which is, I think the personal license is like 20 bucks or something yeah. like that's yeah. really cheap. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can plug that in to any of these consoles and you can record and play back and, and, um, and consoles. Now the first generations of consoles, like I remember the first time I used, uh, the first time I used virtual, virtual sound check was on a, a, a Yamaha uh, M7, a CL. 
you had to do all this, cra- you had to actually create a separate scene that would change the head amp control. And there was all this stuff you had to do. But now all of them, you just push a button and you just go virtual sound check, beep, and it changes everything. Right. So I can sit there with somebody and I can just play the snare drum for two hours. And we can literally walk through, okay, this is what, this is how a snare drum should sound. This is, this is what we're doing with the snare drum and talk about compression and talk about, you know, gates and talk about all the dynamics. And if you've got plugins, if you've got wave sound grid, you can do all that and you can do it over and over and over again with virtual sound check. I mean, man, I don't know about you, but I mean, you probably learned on analog consoles too. Right. And, and I got thrown into the fire. So my story is I moved to Virginia and my listeners probably have heard this story. I moved to Virginia and my, my younger brother was a youth minister at a church. And because I was a music producer, when I came into town, he would always brag about me to his pastor. So when I came into town, the first thing he did was try to try to talk to me. So he says, hey, listen, I want you to kind of consult me um, my sound is off like every Saturday, every Sunday is different. So we said, can you, and it, and it was like three services, it was like 12,000 member churches, big church. And so I, pr- I pretty much just kind of wrote down what I saw and what I was experiencing. I handed it to him after four weeks and I said, well, listen, this is your problem. What you need is um, you need, you need, you need too many cooks in the kitchen. You need one guy and an assistant and you just give everybody other jobs in 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 the ministry, or you got to let some people go. It's one of you, the, you picked yeah. your own po- you picked your own poison. And you didn't even know it. I didn't know it. So basically, <laughs> he looked at the paper. And he goes, "How come this can't be you?" And I said, "I I, I should have been nervous, but I wasn't. I was like, well, I never thought of it." And the, the next time, next thing I know, like the operations guy walks in, and he says. Hey, um, put P on on the mix on midweek service. I never mixed before. <laughs> I don't want to make this perfectly clear. I never mixed before. So I, you were just standing there doing a critique of of what was going right, on, right? Okay, yeah, right. Okay. I never right. I never mixed before, and they had a um, a Mackie. No, no, no. It was a Soundcraft G series. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Good old soundcraft nice, yeah. series. Man. And I and I love the sound of that thing. So yeah. I get in front of the mix and I literally look at the console and it, it was definitely God because I looked at it and I understood everything. It was just like it was like because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Except from, you know, except from making records and you know, being up at record labels and being in the studios mixing. But I was an engineer, I was producing. So I just kind of innately, I guess I was downloading all this information, understand compression and limiting and gating and, you know, what right. different plugins do. And I just looked at the console and I, and I pretty much, I understood everything. And then from that point, I mixed and I was the head engineer <laughs> at this 12,000 member church. That's awesome. And then they got That's a, a great they, story. Then they got a, um, a Yamaha digital, digital deck. I forget which one, which one it was. Um, and I talked I talked them into moving moving the whole the whole console to the floor. And he right. and he listened to me. And 
that console's still there to this day. And yeah. in those days, that was probably it was either M7 or a PM5. It was a, it was a PM, PM. It was a PM5. PM PM5 or PM1D, yeah. No, no, it was a PM1D. That's what it was. Yeah, that's the big boy. Yeah. yeah. That's, so the had, that's the original, that's the original giant, you know? Right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, learned, I think it was a beast. So I learned. So that was, and this was in like, in the, this was like 2006. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. This when is, it came, that's right when, when came I out. first started mixing. And then from that point, people start bringing me in the mix. Right. And that's pretty much how, how it started. And for me, it was my musical gift was allowing me to hear what I needed to hear because yeah. in, in the studio, you're trying to perfect something that's over and over and over. What I loved about mixing front of the house is that you, you, was, you, was on the, you was on the seat of your pants all the time. And I love right. that. Yeah. And I love that energy. Like, I love yeah. being in front, of the, in front of the desk and going, Woo! <laughs> let's go. I can't, I can't, I can't wait. Like I'm revving to go. Anytime I mix, I'm so excited. I'm like a kid in the can I can't wait to be on the seat of my pants. Well, you know, it's really funny because I, um, many, many uh, years and years ago when, when I was with bands that were on record labels, I was, I went into the studio just a couple of times and I would sit there and this is back in the tape the days, you know, multi-track. Track. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I remember them going, you know, they do a take, it's like a guitar track. They do a take and the producer look at the engineer. They look at each other and they go, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And I'm thinking, I'm just sitting back there and I'm not saying a word, but I'm just thinking, well, actually the best take was four takes ago, but now the guitar player's worn out. You, you taped over that and you'll never get it back. back. Right. And it kind of taught me, I said, you know, one of the things I love about live is there's this, there's this energy and this tension Yeah, we have to do everything we can to get it as good as we can in that pass right now. Right. And we're never going to have, excuse me, we're again. never going to have that moment again. And, um, and that's exciting. You know, uh, a buddy of mine uh, was the tech director for a theater, uh, like an actual theater, uh, performing arts theater. And in the control room above the windows, it said, there's no second chances in theater <laughs> and um, live theater. There's no second chances in live wow. theater. And I always thought, well, that is exactly why I like to do live production. Because I like the fact that I actually have to make it happen. And if something goes wrong, I've got to troubleshoot uh, whatever and just keep going. Um, I also found out that, you know, uh, and something I tell going back to training a little bit, one of the things I tell engineers when I'm trying to, when I'm trained sound people is uh, if you make a mistake, the important thing is that you fix it as quickly as possible and just move on because most people won't remember the mistake unless it gets pointed out. That's true. Like I always tell pastors and I didn't do this at the beginning because I didn't have the confidence, but one of the things that Rick Warren was really good about is he never panicked on stage. Does not till this day. I, I don't, it's just inherent in him as a person. He doesn't panic. Things go wrong. We've had power failures. I had, I had a, I had the 16 volt rail go out on the, 
on the Europa, the Soundcraft Europa. And in an, on an analog console, uh, what that did was it made all of the mic pre's go full, like 100. Ooh. And so, and, and it was happening right when he was preaching, right? So I was kind of in, you know, I mean, this was probably, we did, uh, that time we did five services a weekend. I don't remember which service it was. He was, he, but you know, I mean, after like four services, once the preacher's up there, you're, you're a little bit on autopilot, you know, you right. got your, you got your hand on the console, but you're relaxed. Right. And, and he started getting louder and I was like, what is going on? And I'm looking and, um, he, nothing's moved. And I'm like, what is happening? So I had the presence of mind to grab the main faders because at least the band wasn't up there. It was just him. I had the presence of mind to grab the main faders and start pulling them down until it kind of leveled out. I'm like, I didn't know what was happening. And I just happened to look down at the Soundcraft power supply and only one light was on it instead of all the lights. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. That's not good. And so I sent our stage manager up to, I said, you need to run out at the end of the service and tell Rick that there won't be a closing song because I just lost all control of the sound console. Um, so, which he did. And he just said, Hey folks, we're running over, you know, uh, go in peace. You know, I'm going to, let me pray for you and we'll exit out. They didn't know. And luckily it was the last, I think it was the last service of the morning. So I was, I was okay. Uh, and, um, and, and at the time we didn't have a redundant power supply for that console. So we bought one. They were really like, they were custom built or whatever. I don't remember what it was. It was a really weird thing with that, that console, but he didn't sweat for one second. He just went with it. And, and, um, and I, and I just learned that. So I would always tell pastors after that, look, if something bad happens, please don't point it out. Know that we're back here. We're trying to fix it. We're going to do everything we can to fix it. You know, I'm very respectful to the pastor, but I would, I would say respectfully, um, if something goes wrong, trust me, we know it's happening and we're going to do what we can to fix it as quickly as possible. Please don't, you don't have to point it out. Um, one of the reasons that I, that I don't like doing that is because um, I believe that one of the worst things a pastor can do, and now I'm going to sit up, I'm just stood up on my soapbox if you guys can't see me. Um, <laughs> one of the worst things a pastor can do is call out a technical volunteer from the stage that's happened to me because here's why most technical people are more introverts anyway you know they're they're not they're not extroverts i'm like like you're an extrovert i'm an extrovert but we are in completely in the smallest percentile of technical people okay and so i always say i'm in the three percent of technical of tech of extroverts Mm -hmm. that's in technical you know and uh but if you call them out they will, I've had people leave the ministry, the volunteer ministry, because they got called out from the stage. And I'm like, these folks are plumbers and mail carriers and grocery store workers, and they're not professional videographers or sound mm-hmm. engineers or lighting directors or whatever. Yeah, they fill they in do, a position. Right. And they do this because they love the they church and they like technology. And if you call them out, they're done. They're like, I don't, I'm not getting paid. I don't need to be embarrassed in front of, you know, 500,000, 2000 people, whatever, um, 200 people, a hundred people, 20 people doesn't matter. Right. Um, so now I'll step down off my soapbox, but that, that's something I definitely, I say, look, 
we're fixing it and just keep going. Just, just, just keep going. And I found that if you keep going, nobody knows for the most part. That's true. I mean, unless this is horrendous. Yeah. Unless the power goes out, but then you got a whole other problem. And I mean, we did a service at Saddleback one time. Um, we were having really bad rainstorms here and um, we had the power go out. And so we literally put uh, two JBL powered eons on each corner of the stage. This isn't a 3000 seat auditorium. <laughs> what? Yeah. Cause we're, there were these, uh, if those of you have never seen Saddleback's main building, there's like 65 feet of windows on either side. So it is, it, if there's the sun's out at all, it's very bright in there. And um, it's almost like being outside and uh, which our lighting guys always hated, but Hey, it is what it is. And so, uh, but anyway, so we, there was, it was daytime and it was light. And so we literally did uh, Rick Mucha, who was a worship pastor at the time, literally parsed the band down immediately, like parsed it down to like acoustic, um, maybe a couple of keyboards and the singers. And we basically did the entire services with uh, four portable speakers in a 3000 seat auditorium and we did it and you know what i mean rick came out and explained it and people still wanted to have church and but there was no power and we did it which you know makes sense because i mean we've only had live production with power for you know 100 years maybe and the gospel's been being preached for 2000 years yes sir so we're fooling ourselves if we think we that the gospel has to have technology. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is coming from a guy who loves <laughs> technology, right. you know, but uh, you know, so you got to do what you got to do and you know, um, you just keep going. Um, yeah, that's true. So, you know, my, my, my big thing with training is that you just, I, and we were talking about this before. So let me jump to the, to the whole thing about, I tell people all the time, it's, I'm much more, it's, I'm much more uh, concerned with how it feels to the audience than if it's precisely correct sound wise. Yes. Um, cause like, like we were talking earlier, you know, and you made, you said, save that cause we want, <laughs> I want to record it. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is there's very few people in the audience going, yeah, man, if, if you could just put more shimmer in that kick drum, you know, right. then I, then I'd be right. able to worship, worship. Right. Nobody, nobody's saying that, you know, uh, just us so, in the audience. Yeah. If you my, and I are in the audience, my, we're, my wife, my wife looks at me, she can tell <laughs> if I'm sitting in the audience and something's bad and I'm just like, yeah. you know, yeah. almost like praise the Lord, not the sound, you know? Right. Well, you know, it was really funny for years. My wife, when we'd go to concerts, my wife would go, no talking. No, there's no <laughs> talking in this concert. Cause I don't want, but then what happened, we've been married, I have an amazing wife. We've been married for 37 years and she's been with me this whole time. Now she's the critiquer. Oh gosh. She That's goes, so oh, she goes, we went to church this morning and you should have heard the thing, you know, and she starts telling me this whole thing. And now my daughters do it too. They're like, oh dad, the sound was so terrible at this thing. It was so awful. And I'm like, oh, I've, I've, uh, oh gosh, you created some monsters. Yeah, I created some monsters. I shouldn't have done that, you know, but <laughs> But you know it is what it is, and and so um, when I when I when I left uh, church ministry and just and, and came to work uh, for the company I work for now, and just got to sit in church, mm-hmm. which is something I hadn't got to do for twenty years, I know just what you sit mean. in church with my family. I know what you mean? Um, 
it took me about a year before I could relax. Get out your head. Yeah. And luckily what we did is we went to, we went to a church here that, that our company actually does all the AV for, and they have a big, they have a really great technical director, tech staff, amazing tech staff. Um, and so when I go to church there, that actually sounds, <laughs> actually sounds, it <laughs> looks good. So it doesn't bother, you know, and so I'm like, eh, maybe I wouldn't have made that choice on the snare drum or maybe that, right. that right. one vocal is too loud or whatever, but it's not, you know, it's not enough to make me go insane. And, uh, and so it's, that's actually good. I mean, but I go to some churches to train still to this day and, or to do what you did, you know, a lot of times people will hire us and they'll say, Hey, you know, before we do a project with you, would you mind coming in and just hanging out in the service and kind of maybe tell us, you know, what our problems are, what, what you see, yeah. what, what you see, you know, and wow, I've seen like you, I've, I've gone to some service and gone, okay, yeah, your technology is not in good shape, but you got a lot of other problems. Yeah. You got programming yeah. problems, you got mm -hmm. people problems, you mm -hmm. got you got all kinds of problems. <laughs> and um we can fix your technology, but we can't fix your people problems. You gotta yeah. fix that, you know. Yeah. And so um, you know, but uh yeah. So I the that for as uh, going back to training, you know, I I uh I believe in a couple of things. Um one I believe in training people when in non-mission critical things first mm -hmm. um, and then slowly moving them into the mission critical things, but always being there um, to, uh, you know, to, to be clear about what my expectations are, what's important to me. You got to be very communicative when you train people to do audio. Um, and, and, and the bottom line is audio is so subjective. That's so true. You know, I mean, you and I could sit right next to each other at a show and then we could go out um, for pancakes afterwards and talk about what we liked and different like. And, and you're a pro and I'm a pro and we are going to come away with completely different, different things. Yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with my opinion. There's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. your opinion. It's right. just we have a perspective of whatever. And so training people because I have a lot of friends that I s certainly respect and I've heard them mix and I've said, eh, I, I would have done this or I would have done that. I mean, but there's, it would, the mix was great. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it was great. Right. right. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's hard. I, I mean, and please folks, when you're, I, 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 let me say this. If you're a sound person in a church, and, you know, you learned in that church, which is most sound people in churches, they got in ministry at the church they're at right now and they're mixing at that church. Mm -hmm. um, cut yourself some slack. Please cut yourself some slack. It is not an easy job. You have a lot of things to think about and a lot of people to please. And um, you, uh, uh, there's a church in Tulsa uh, called Church on the Move. And... Um, the pastor there, Whitney George, said something many years ago at one of their big conferences that I've really stuck with me. And he said he stole it from somebody else, but I've only heard it from him. He said it is, it is ridiculous to think that you can do in your spare time what others have devoted their lives to. Man, that's good. And so, um, all, and I'm not saying that's not a put down. It's just cut yourself some slack. Yeah. You have a full time job. You got family. You got kids. So for people like 
you know, Prentice and me, we've been doing this for a long time. Music has been our life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk in and probably be able to pull up a mix a whole lot faster than you are. I should be able to. That's not that, 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 that you know, that's, that's what we do. Don't judge yourself by that standard. You know, do the best job you can. And I'll tell you what, for me, attitude and fitting into the culture. Um, oh, and, that's and, huge. And wanting the best uh, for what you're doing is way more important than being precise in your mix. That's true. That's true. So, you know, that's true. What I found is like when I go to churches and they bring me in the train, is that. I take a holistic approach. So what I do is I'll tell them, I said, listen, let me come in during the week and for a service. Don't tell nobody I'm there. Let me just come, let me come see rehearsal. Let me come when everyone's relaxed and you're trying to work through your songs and all the musicians are there. So I can kind of judge personalities. You know, I can kind of see who, who talks to who and why they talk, what they talk about what songs are more aggressive, what, like, who's the lead singer, why, where they hold the mic, do they cup the mic, all those <laughs> things, you know, you find out when people are relaxed. Yeah. Then, then I want to see, then I want to see how you guys soundtrack. Oh I want to see, see who shows up on time. I want to see if, if, if it's a mandate you guys are on time or do you guys just walk in and sing, you know? <laughs> you right, know? yeah. You know, yeah. you have one of those churches. You know, yeah. and then I want to sit in the service and I want to see how does your minister minister? Is mm-hmm. he aggressive? Does he use a lavalier? Does he use a handheld? Right. Does he have the right handheld? Because I've I've seen churches where the pastor had like a super cardioid and he's all he's doing this stuff. And right. He's, yeah. he's well, going off axis mm-hmm. and you go like, well, listen, what mic do you have? And he's like, Oh, it's a Sennheiser's uh E um uh 945. I said, well, we should have got him a 35. Right. Yeah. You know, because yeah. But but we know that stuff. So right. I I like to soak the information in. And then when I find out after all of that, I found out that I just can't train the audio team. Right. I gotta train the pastoral staff. I gotta oh, yeah. talk, I gotta talk to the musicians. I gotta get everybody to speak the same language. Mm-hmm. The same not the, the same common goal, the same everyone here wants this to be excellent. Everyone yeah. here has the same common goal of being able to usher in the spirit of God through excellence, through your gifts. That's what we're mm-hmm. all here for. You're here to preach. You're here to play and sing. We're here to make all that sound beautiful. Yeah. So let's let's be on the same page and work with each other. And every church I've gone to, every I can, I can say this, every church, someone will always pull me aside and go, you probably have never heard nothing like this ever before in your life. <laughs> I go, yo, yesterday, you know? <laughs> yeah, like every time. Yeah. Every, like every time. So I find that, and even if I'm, if I'm training the techs, I find that you have to find out if they are equipped to do it. Because some people, they're not equipped to do it. It's, it's nothing against them. They just don't have the, the focus that, that to focus to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, because there. Well, because there's 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 uh, there's knowledge, and then there's acumen, you know, or ability. There's there's there. Those are different things. Because I mean, you and I, we've all anybody listening to this podcast, we've all met sound guys, lighting people, uh, you whatever. um, uh, That they have the knowledge. I mean, they can tell you what everything does, and they know every every menu 
in uh, the in the Yamaha CL or the Allen the, the S seven thousand whatever. In right. the terminology of the class. right, and they're 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 showing they can't me mix. <laughs> yeah, they're showing me stuff on wave the wave sound grid that I I'm like I'm, I didn't even know I didn't even know that was a function on there, <laughs> you know, uh, and and uh, um, but they don't know how to put it in practice. You know, um, I, wave sound grid is is like it's it, it's it can be the best thing you can buy. It can be a just a knife in the back of your mix. Um, the, the I just remember uh, so uh, National Worship Leader Conference is a as a thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, I mixed the one in in um, in Kansas City, and um, I got in there and the very first they had a Yamaha CL. And they had Wave Sound Grid, and I don't know, like I don't know how this guy has his stuff set up, right? So the first thing I do is I just un, I just unclick every instance of Sound Grid, <laughs> right? Every plugin, just to get stuff up and run, just to get like to a baseline, get right. back to a baseline mm-hmm. stuff. Because I don't, I don't know, like I, because you know, I mean, you know, plugins are you guys been. You could spend 45 minutes on a oh, C6 yeah. oh, on yeah. one channel, you yeah. know, and I'm like, okay, I don't have time to do that. I'm right. going to have 20 acts a night doing one song. All this is getting clicked off. And I'll tell you what, I've gone into churches where they have volunteer sound people are great people or whatever. And they've got wave sound grid turned on and their mix is terrible. And I'm like, why does everything sound, sound like, like that? that? And then I start looking at Wave Sound Grid, and I'm like, "Wow, oh. okay, um, you got five instances. You got five compressors on this one channel. On one channel, channel. <laughs> you got a 1176. You got a C6. You got, you know, I mean, you've got SSL. You've got. Mm-hmm. Do you even know? Do you know how all those are interacting with each other? I don't right. think you do. You know, I mean, right. let's just and a, and a, and a multi delay. <laughs> and so why don't we just click all this stuff off for a second? Click, click, click. Now let's pull his vocal back up. Boom. And it's like, it just comes alive. And the guy looks at me and goes, wow, that's, that, that, that sounds great. I'm like, yeah, see, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need all this stuff. Um, so we're going to zero all that out. We're going to grab just the C6. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to flatten it out first. Cause I don't know why you're compressing all these frequencies. It's not even in the vocal range, but the guy doesn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, the, he's got a, one of his vocals is one of the, one of the compressors is compressing, like is like 15 K. And I'm like, okay, you do realize that guy singer, not up there, it's not none of his voice is in that range. There's no reason to compress any of that up there. And so, you know, flatten all that out. Let's get this going. And, and then you just ease him back into it. And I'm like, if there's nothing wrong with using that stuff, we, I love that stuff, but don't think that's going to solve your problem. Right. And they don't have the acumen to go, I need to start at a baseline and get the mix as good as I can and then start adding in stuff. Right. Right. When I, when I have a sound grid, I never start with it on ever zero. It's always off. And I try to get gain staging the whole shot, get it dialed in as much as I can where we actually kind of have a mix going mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, oh, yeah, sounds pretty good because another thing, you know, that we haven't talked about is, but that's huge to me is, um, I believe that 80% of the mix happens before the preamp. So yeah. you, 
I agree with you. Where the mic is, like if it's on an amplifier, like where the mic is, what the mic is, where is it on the speaker on the amplifier? Mm -hmm. And then go even farther back. What amplifier is it? Does the player know how to set up his gear? Mm. You know, I mean, I, I remember one time, uh, this kid came in, I won't even say what church it is, but he came in with this really expensive rig. He had like a matchless uh, anniversary uh, series. He had a, he had a Duesenberg. Wow. He had a Duesenberg guitar. He had the biggest uh, Dynelectro pedal board I'd ever seen in my life. I think he had every one of their pedals <laughs> and all hooked up. He starts playing and I'm like, that sounds like garbage. And so I grabbed the worship creator, the creative pastor. And I said, and I said, what do you think about this? He said, that sounds terrible. I said, Hey, can we do an experiment? So we walked up on stage and this church has their, uh, the amps in a ca in cabinets backstage. Right. Okay. So, and then, the, you know, so, which is beautiful. God, which is, oh, which, oh is God. which is, Come you know, and, look, man, there's radio makes these boxes called SGI's buy them you can remote the amps it's a beautiful world it's all good uh and um so they had it so i walked back in the back and we opened up the cabinet and i had i said listen to this amp and it just sounded like garbage and he goes oh that's terrible so i said can i talk to this kid and see if we can straighten this out um he said sure so we i literally go and i say hey do me a favor can you bypass all your pedals and I'm going to do a, a couple of little things to your amp just because we're trying to clean up some stuff. And he's like, oh, sure. Okay. So what I, what I, what I did on his amp is I literally zeroed everything out on the, on the amp because a matchless sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, at, you got to do too much to it. You don't have, that's why it's one of the greatest amps ever made. Right. And so, you know, just got it in a little bit of overdrive and everything else was flat and then go back said, okay, just your tuner and that reverb and then flatten out your EQ on your guitar and then play for us. And so he starts, he does that. He starts playing. We go back in the back and the worship pastor goes, wow, that sounds great. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Y you don't need all that stuff. I said, so I can't tell him this, but you can, because he works for you. Can you tell him that this is the sound we're going for and not to engage all those pedals just to use the reverb that he's got, his volume control, blah, blah. He said, yeah, I'll do that. So he did. I get back to the back and one of my other, one of the other engineers there goes, why didn't you just, cause that we had Avid consoles at the time. Um, and uh, he said, why don't you just put an emulator on it? You know, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, because it's not my job for the guitar to sound good. That's his job. His job. <laughs> it's right. his job for the guitar to sound good. He's the guitar player. Right. You know, right. so right. let's make it sound good at the source. And then I don't, and then I'm not fighting the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I could have put a guitar emulator plug-in on there and mm -hmm. baked it, but then I would have spent 25 minutes trying, trying to, to get that get that sound to, right, trying to dial in that trying guitar, to, trying to fix trying to fix his sound and finding out what's wrong, right. and then putting the plug-in on and going, okay, oh, so wait a right. And I'm not a guitar player, so I don't really know those plug those emulator plugins all that well you know so i don't know if i would have done a better job than he was doing right but i did know enough to get up there and just go let's do with a, let's get a pure sound happening out of this thing 
and then let's put, you know, and microphone placement so important, the kind of microphone you use, all these things are super important. Like you were saying, are the are the 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 vocalists cupping the mic? You know, do they think they're in a, you know, a lot of a lot of people today that that are vocalists, they think they're in a music video. I'm like, look, you cannot look at the way people hold microphones in music videos. Right, it's not on. <laughs> fake. It's that fake thing. So you can't cover the mic and try to sing through it and have it sound right. good. So right. why does my mic sound so terrible? Well, because right. most your hand is over most of it. That's why, you know. So you have to do a lot of. Like I said, folks, you know, cut yourself some slack. There's a lot going on here, and and the whole team has to work in 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 unison. You know, and that's why you know one of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking about you coming in and and and, and doing consulting is, I will tell you, I've done a lot of it. I know, Prentice, you've done a lot of it. Um, it is so important if you have a church, find somebody locally that like a bigger, like go to, if you go to a bigger church in your town and you go, man, they, they got it together. It sounds good here. I like it. It's not our style of music, but it's, it's good. Go to the sound engineer or the tech director or something to say, Hey, is there, would you be willing? We'll stipend you or whatever. We'll feed you whatever you can do. Would you be willing to come and hang out in a sound check and a service at our church like one weekend and just like give us some notes? Because mm-hmm. you guys got it together here and we want to get it together. And, you know, um, you know, be humble and just go, I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, that's I don't know. I don't know about you, yes. but that's how I learned a lot of stuff. I just I had to be humble and go to these guys that were better than me and just go, uh, I don't know how to do that. Can you? <laughs> can you help right. me? Can you right. show me how that's done? Right. And, and I will tell you now, I've been mixing for 40 years, more than 40 years. And I still learn a ton from shows I go to, um, people I meet. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the style of music is. It doesn't matter what the style of the church is. It doesn't matter the experience of the engineer. I like standing behind. I went... Um, so I, I had the uh, privilege of uh, we were we were we were working with uh, the uh, Potter's House in Dallas, and um, uh, uh, they were looking at getting some console new consoles, and so I had the privilege of going over and hanging out with them for a, a midweek service, and just and they were testing out this console, and we were working with them and stuff, and their their one engineer. And I was just standing there, but I got to, but I got to be there and and just just listen to him work. And this guy was good. I wish I could remember his name. It's totally escaping me right now. But he was a good engineer. And man, he made that thing sing. And I was just like, wow. And some of the stuff he was doing, I was like looking at the console, and I'm like, and I know the SSL pretty well because we sold a lot of them. And I'm like, wow, he's doing that with that compressor. And wow, I would have never thought of that. You know, and he's like bus compressing the whole choir and I'm all this stuff. And he's doing all this crazy stuff with the console. He'd literally been on for five minutes. I mean, literally just that day. And I was like, wow, I learned so much from this, this dude. Um, and I was supposed to be the one showing him the console and doing all this stuff. But he was, he was teaching me. And when the service got going, I was like, wow, this sounds really good. Like, 
I, this is real good. And I'm just like watching him the whole time and I'm asking him questions. I'm like, Hey dude, how are you getting this? And how are you routing that? And, and this guy was probably 25 and I was 55, <laughs> you know? So he's half my age and he's teaching me all kinds of stuff about this console. And, yeah. and I was, and I was like, I got a huge education on that console that day from a guy that we were demoing the console for, wow. you know? And cause he was good. He was a good sound engineer, you know? Um, I mean, you don't get to mix at Potter's house. Not if you don't like, yeah, you have to know be. what you're doing, you know? Right. Um, so everybody who's there, um, Bill, the TD's fantastic dude. Awesome guy. Everybody he brings in are top, top notch. They, yeah. they know what they're doing, you know? Right. So I was just in awe. I was like, man, these guys are, these guys are really good. And Amazing. I was watching, I was watching them and I was just like, okay, yeah, cool. All right. Awesome. That's great. Um, so it doesn't matter if people are younger than you are, older than you are, um, uh, what their background is, whatever you can learn from anybody. That's right. Um, and you got to be humble. I've been in churches that have had Mackie mixers, analog mixers, and the, the music, the, the, the mix has been really good. And I've looked over the guy's shoulder to see what he was doing. I was like, Oh, well, that's how he got that vocal to sound that way. Cool. All right. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's true. You gotta be, you gotta be humble and you gotta be, um, you know, you gotta be willing to learn. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that the, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, bulletin boards have gotten, you know, the Facebook groups and stuff mm -hmm. like that have gotten so big. Um, I have my own personal thoughts about some of the advice that's given on them. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, mm, well, that's not really good advice. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, we could, I think you and Going I could have, a whole, day, day. I think you and I could have a whole podcast on those. Yes. yes. But, uh, but you know, I mean, be careful who you get information that's from. That's true. Um, and, uh, I will say this, try to find people that have been doing it a lot longer than you or are really good. And uh, don't just listen to somebody that has a, uh, you know, the one thing that the internet, you and I, we're on the internet. So I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like, well, you guys are on the internet. Uh, <laughs> but um, a buddy of mine, Lee Fields, uh, once said, uh, uh, he said the problem with the internet, with social media as particularly, is that everybody's voice is at the same volume regardless of whether they're skilled or knowledgeable. And so, <laughs> right? And we know that, right? I mean, totally. Right. Uh, you know, it's certainly that way in the political realm and a lot right. of the other things right. that are happening. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like anybody can get on there and, you know, all of a sudden they've got a bullhorn that's the size of the whole internet, no matter what right. they think or what they, right. think, what they say. Uh, it's the same way when we're trying to teach people uh, to do production. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can always learn, you, you can always you learn, learn from anybody, but, from anybody, but make sure you're learning from somebody who's actually doing, doing good work. Right. Right. You know, um, so what, so what, so what's your, your sound check process like? Um, well, my sound check process, the very first thing I do is go meet the band. I do the um, same if, if, thing. If, if I don't know, if I don't know the band, um, I'll go down and meet. Well, even if I do know the band, I mean, I you don't know, say hi and, and I help them. I help them. If you're a sound person, get there early. If, here's, here's kind of the whole thing. Be prepared. Like <laughs> the, the, the stage should be set and ready to go. 
and you should verify that all the inputs work to the console. Line check. <laughs> before the musicians arrive. Okay. And um, with a with a with digital consoles, you have no excuse, man. You can have an iPad or a Surface or whatever. You can walk down to the stage. You can check them out yourself. And um, I did that. I did that all the time. And uh, so make sure you're ready, and make sure you're prepared. You're mentally prepared. And then when the musicians come in, because you're prepared and because you're ready, you can go and and hang with them. Now I know we got you know the whole social distancing thing going on right now. But we're talking, I'm talking like in, you know, the non-pandemic world of, of Oh, just nine stuff. months ago. How about that? Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, let's see. Well, it's 11 months ago. How about was that? It, was that only 11 months ago? Because it seems like 20 years ago now. I don't, it's like <laughs> time has no meaning anymore. But, uh, you know, go and hang out with the musicians. Because um, it's really, it's, and get to know people, you know, the production people and the musicians, we're all on the same team. Um, it's not us versus them. Um, and if you know those people, if you know the singers and you know, you know, that it's really hard to be mad at somebody when you know their kids' names. Mm. And so, and so, I mean, you can be mad in the moment, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like, you know, having resentment or animosity towards them. Right, but right. I, go, I go down and I even help them. I mean, if I can't, I'm going to, Hey, let me go to your car. Let's oh, oh, you got an amp too. Okay. Well, Hey, I'll pull that in. Let's do that. Help them get set up the whole shot. Be down there. Introduce yourself. I know it's hard for some introverts, but do it anyway. Just, just get out of your comfort zone. So I do that. And then if I've never worked with anybody with the people before, I actually will explain what my process is going to be. Like I get everybody on the stage and say, Hey, I, since I've never been here before, I just wanted to let you know, this is kind of how I'm going to do the sound check so that you know what to uh, anticipate. And then there's going to be a moment where you guys get to respond back and do monitor mixes. If we still do them from the console. I mean, half the time now they're on a, they're, they have their own mixers or they do right. it on their phone. And mm -hmm. That's all great. And if, if, if that's the case, I'll say, please don't mess with your in-ear mix or your wedge mix until I've done a line check so that I can get the gain structure all mm -hmm. dialed in. Mm -hmm. Then I'll actually say, Hey, if you guys want to start dialing in your mixes now, now's a good time right you know and then once that happens you know um i'll just kind of build a mix um i like to do vocals first which is oh. kind of backwards from wow. a lot of people because i want to know how loud i can get the vocals like i want to get all the vocals as loud as i can get them that doesn't mean they're going to be loud in the service but i want them to be as i want to know where the you want to know where they head, are where right. my headroom is with all the vocals and the lead you know the lead uh, worship leader and all that have them all sing and everything. And I say, okay, you guys can kind of chill right now. And then I'll, then I'll go, uh, then I'll start the traditional way. You know, I'll go drums, you know, drums, bass, guitars, uh, keyboards, um, and then everything, you know, and then everything else. Uh, but every time I add something, I'll have the singers sing. So, okay, singers, sing that song. Okay, drummer, yeah, with a piano, you're, you're usually a piano or a keyboard, they're, they're playing. Say, okay, hey, drummer, start playing. And then that way, because what ends up happening is the old traditional way of doing things, the way I was taught, and I think the way a lot of sound engineers were taught, is actually incorrect, in my opinion. Because in any live situation, honestly, the vocals are the most important thing. Secular, Christian, whatever, gospel, you know, rock, whatever, it doesn't matter. Vocals are the most important thing. And if you run out of headroom before you get to the vocals, uh, right. 
then you're remixing the whole thing. And yeah. so like, like you get the whole band where you like it and then you add the vocals and you go, Oh, I can't oh, do that. Now I got to bring everything down. So I get the vocals in first and just get as much gain out of them as I can before feedback to where I actually kind of like the mix a little bit. And then I'll bring it, I'll start bringing in all the instruments because then I can bring in the instruments underneath the vocals and um, know that I'm never going to run out of headroom with the vocals. So the vocals are always going to be clear and clean. And then I, you know, and, and then kind of bring in things. You got to remember this when you're mixing um, that things may sound good individually, but they don't sound good together. Mm. And so th- we only have, well, we only have so much frequency response in a system. Everything has to occupy a space. So the kick drum may sound phenomenal by itself and you may be just ripping everybody's guts out man it's just hitting you in the in the in the in the the chest and you're just like "Ah, i love it and then you start to add it in with the bass guitar and some other stuff and you're like that kick drum sounds terrible now well because it's it's trying to to occupy everything's trying to occupy the same space right so you have to you act you have to start where you want to end up and then and then add everything in from that and in ch- especially in church, although I've done this at, you know, I've done this stuff in non-church stuff too, but especially in church, vocals are the main thing. So you've got to make sure the vocals are right there. And then once you do, you can kind of bring everything in around that and EQ to the space and not to the individual instrument because you go, oh, well, you know what? Uh, the guitars are occupied, uh, occupying this. So to get it to sound good, sometimes I got to scoop that out of the keyboards. Yeah. So yeah. that when the guitars come in, playing, yeah, yeah, because I mean, you know, uh, in the in the in the Christian in the quote unquote Christian music scene, uh, when worship was starting to take over the Christian music scene, where it was, you know, because now, I mean, honestly, it's all worship music. There's mm-hmm. no Christian music like there was in the '80s. It's all worship music that's what gets played on the radio that's all the stuff and so when that started happening there was this moment at least in the churches that i was mixing in where they had like four acoustic guitars on stage and they're literally all playing exactly the same thing and they're just power strumming and you're like well i could turn three of those guys off and no one would even know right you know and so you gotta and sometimes i did because it just, it was ridiculous. I'm like, I really only need one acoustic guitar and mostly they're just up there for visual anyway. So I picked the best one. I'd keep him up and turn everybody else down. And, and no one, no one was the wiser because it's my job to make it sound good. Right. So, but that's the thing you, everything has to occupy a space. Don't expect to have every instrument at every frequency in every moment. Cause it's just, it's impossible. A lot of people ask me, and I'm sure you've run into this thousands of times where people go, yeah, you know, it all sounds really good individually. And then once I put it into the mix, it just sounds like mud. And I'm like, well, yeah, right. because everything can't occupy the same frequency space in our right. ears. Right. It just can't. Right. Or in speakers. I don't care how good the speaker system is. Um, you can overload the speaker system by just, you know, it's, we used to call it in the eighties, we used to call it wall of sound. <laughs> you know, it was the wall. It comes from the whole old Phil Spector, you know, right, wall of sound. Right, right. But he knew how to make wall of sound sound good. But a lot of guys think that he just turned everything up. Oh, and I'm like, no, right, that's no not good. true at all. Right, right. That's not true at all. Right, right, right. So it was a wall of sound, but he knew 
every brick was was important Speci- and it was specific right. for yeah. a specific reason. Right. I did so, that. I did that same thing with when I started, when I first started mixing with kick drums in, in the bass guitar because I used to always think that the kick drum should be lower than the bass. Yeah. And then when I, I started, I'm not going to do. I, yeah. And I started I, mixing. I was like, wait a minute. I can't. I could feel it, but I can't hear it. Mm-hmm. And now the bass and the, and the kick drum sounds like they're doing the same thing, and I can't tell one from the other. Right. Yep. And those are the that's the first things I learned about frequency and space and how to create, especially in low frequencies. Yeah, we had um, so at Mariners uh, in the when we built the big building, I actually had two different uh, subwoofers, and this is back in the day when everybody was still mixing, you know, su- uh, subs on auxes. You know, that's changed everybody used to do it because people didn't understand time, including me. I didn't understand uh, time phasing when you have the sub separate from the house speakers. And so, and I know that there are probably people. People still do it. Me. I do it a few times, but I like I, it I do it. It depends. It depends, it, yeah. it depends on how the system is set up, but most of the newer systems, the way that the companies engineer it, uh, it needs to be full range, you know, and you, and you do, you add and subtract low end through, uh, equalization, right. not through submix, uh, through uh, oxes, oxens. I mean, I all I'd ever did for thirty years was oxfed subs. I mean, that's what everybody did. But um, I actually had uh, two subs at Mariners. I had uh, double eighteen JBLs, the big giant double eighteen concert series JBLs, a bunch of uh, like eight of them, and then I had eight of the EAW double fifteens as well. Oh. Good Lord. So what I would do. Go to the bathroom, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the top end was Vertec. Uh, oh, uh, wow. Line arrays. And so, and so what I did was, is I would actually, the bass guitar would generally almost always be in the 15s. Okay. And the kick drum aux would almost always be in the 18s. So the low frequency of each of them, because I like the you know, the bass, the fifteens uh, would make the bass you, more. Pu- it'd make oh, it tighter oh, and punchier, yeah, punchy, right? Without being super loud, mm-hmm. and then the kick drum, you could feel it. Feel it would it. move the earth, and you know the whole thing, and and you know, um, so that was something I experimented with for a long time, um, and and you know, it, it just it just really it really depends. I'm still a big believer in you know you got to have. Ultimately, you got to have 18s if you want to move. If you want to do ground pound, you kind of got. You kind of got to do you it. Need, you need 18s at least. Yeah, yeah. And so, a lot of our bigger systems that we install now, um, not all of them, but a lot of them will have, uh, especially the L Acoustics uh, and the and the and Martin systems, they'll have uh, single 18s that are flown with the PA. Um, and those will be full range. And then on the floor underneath the stage, we'll have double eight, some double eighteens that are still ox fit. We don't do that in everything. And L acoustics actually doesn't like us to do that. They, they don't like that in all their big systems. They don't do ox fit subs, but, um, we, we still do it every once in a while. Cause sometimes you just need that ground pound. The problem with doing subs on the floor with a big giant system is you end up getting a power alley in the room. Um, because the subs are so far away from the main speakers mm. that you have this weird phasing thing that's going on and you have a uh, weird time arrival because people don't understand that low frequency, right. uh, the wavelengths are way longer. longer. Right. And so they arrive, everything's arriving at a different time. Yeah. So 
you know, there's a lot of everything. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of math happening, you know, right. especially right. when you get into bigger PAs right. in small rooms, it's not quite as bad, but, but anyway, I, I just learned that, you know, you gotta, to go back to the sound check process, you know, I'll, I'll just start with vocals and then bring in all the other instruments as needed. Um, my way is just starting with drums and then working backwards. But you know what? I've watched guys do the exact opposite. They literally go, they go vocals, keyboards, guitars, you know, wow. bass, and then the drums. And then whatever the other ancillary stuff is, you know, like if there's horns or, you know, stuff like that, you know, if you have a string section or whatever, they'll, they'll do that last. But um, I found, I didn't always do it this way, but I found what probably the last 20 years, I, I always start with the vocals because that way I know I'm never going to run out of room with the vocals. Right. Um, You're shaping everything around the vocals. So because what most people will complain about in church, especially in church is I can't hear the, hear the vocals. I couldn't hear the singers. So that means it's, that may not be what I want, you know, and, and we've all mixed, and let's be honest, folks, we've all mixed services where the singers were terrible. And we were like, yeah, oh, you, you man, should. You're just ducking vocalists. Like, you should. Yeah, it's like, the set fan, I'm going like, oh, uh, you we should pull be her out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Put well, her back and, in. <laughs> and the loudest one of them is always the one that's the worst. Like, right. They, they, you are a terrible singer. Please find but the you, note. Find but the you note. have no inhibitions whatsoever, right? Listen to and, your neighbor, please. Uh, you pick man. up a pick up the note, please. Well, and that brings up another point. Um, uh, sorry, our listeners were all over the map, but I, if you ever listen to my podcast, you'll know that's how kind of how I am. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm very ADD. But another thing is um, that's super important. Uh, let's talk a little bit for a minute, if you don't mind. Let's talk about uh, uh, monitoring. So in ear mixes, right? Um, even small churches now, because Behringer and stuff like that are are doing in ear mixes. Yeah, and uh, I think it's great. If you can do it without hurting people, do it because it cleans up the sound on the stage, which cleans up the front of house. It's, it's all good. The war is um, over when you do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's the best. I love it. But one of the things that I, I really, unless I'm dealing with professional singers, and I'm talking like paid professional singers, right? Like singers that have been in the studio, I will have all the background singers on one mix. Okay, I do that. Yeah. Um, and the reason I do that is that forces them to blend. Because if individual background singers, all of them can mix their own mix, who are they going to turn up the loudest? Them. Them. That blows their, uh, then they, they have no idea how to mix with the other people. None. And so it's, you know, the whole, remember, remember the sure the sure IEM shirt said more of, I, I need more of me in the me. monitor on the back. Uh, and, but the truth of the matter is you shouldn't have more of you in the monitor. You need to have an equal amount when you're singing of all the singers so that you can hear where you sit right with them. And I found that if you do that, they will police each other. Like I literally was just mixing two weeks ago at my old though church. I used to be the TD of they, they called me at last minute and said, Hey, could you run over and mix? Cause you know, we had a, they had a guy drop out cause he had COVID. So they all of a sudden couldn't go. And so I ran over there and mixed and I love it because he still does it the same way. He has one mix for the background singers and, um, and they were policing each other. They were like, the, the one person was like, Hey, can I, can we, can I have a little bit more of me in there? And the other two of the other singers went, no, we don't need more of you. You're too loud. 
and it was, they were fighting, but they were just like, and then that person was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay, cool. And so what it did is it made the vocals way better naturally because they, they, were, they, they were working. They have to work together to make it happen. Okay. Right. But the worst thing is, so if you have pro singers, they can all have their own mix. That's totally fine. Cause they, under, they understand, they get it. They can hear themselves. They understand what's going on. But most churches do not have professional singers on their platform. Right. And so you want them to blend together. So having one mix, now they can turn up their volume on their pack individually, mm-hmm. but the mix they're hearing is, is a, everybody has to agree on that mix. Right. The other thing I don't ever do is if you have uh, mixers on stage, like uh, um, Avioms or, you know, the uh, Alan Heath Mies mm-hmm. or whatever. Right, the um, personal mixers. Di- yeah, digital audio labs, whatever you have. Uh, don't let the vocalist have one of those on the stage. Uh, mix, mix it from front of house. Mix it from front of house. That's just my opinion. The reason is, is because if you have it on the stage, you have four or five people that oh are gonna, I can keep changing, the, oh keep changing their mix. Oh gosh. And, that's and a that's, nightmare. That's a nightmare for them and for you. And you'll always end up fixing the mix for them. You'll end up going in and physically fix, having to fix it. So just go ahead and, and mix it yourself and then just have them all determine and sound check. Okay. That sounds good. We're good. Dial it in, put it in a scene. We're good to go. Um, obviously I, if there's people who are soloists or people who are the leaders, they get their own mix, obviously, of course. Mm -hmm. But if you have a bunch of background vocals, I never let that happen. Um, and you know, and, and the, the, the musicians, that's fine for them to have their own mix, whatever. I mean, I I don't care as long as they can hear, as long as they don't get off and you know, whatever. But, um, you know, my other little trick is that if you have a music director, um, which a lot of churches do. Um, if you have a music director, give that person a microphone. And now that you have in-ears, um, you, can, to the band. you can talk to the band and you can buy a little pedal switch from Proco that you can put the mic into that and you have two outputs so you can have it on two channels. And so we, like my last church, Magnolia, the music director sang. He had a great voice. So he sang, but he had oh, a pedal. You get a pedal. From, got it. You can, switch, you can switch from talking to the band and to, the to singing. To the- and, so the, and, and they will only make that mistake of doing it wrong one time. Because <laughs> they'll go, because all of a sudden they'll be saying something to the band and all of a sudden they'll realize, oh, that was in the house. Was- that was, you know, and so they just got to be, you know, they just have to be able to look down and see which one, because yeah, usually yeah. They, have a, they have a light, you know, it'll show you we'll which, which one, one you're on. But that's invaluable. Uh, having a music director that can talk to the band the whole time is will make, will hands down make music better in your church. Awesome, um, awesome. You know, and um, uh, you know that started for us way back. Me back way back at Mariners, we had a our music director didn't sing, um, so his mic was all the time going to the monitor console, mm-hmm. and it was up. It was up in all the musicians' mixes, awesome. so he was literally leading the band. And he was watching the worship director or the worship pastor. So whoever's leading worship, he's watching them. And so he knows, oh, oh we're going to go do, we're going to do another verse. We're going to do another mm-hmm. chorus. You know, right. He's, he's, he's just doing a call out. He's just calling and, it out. Right. And because that's what, I mean, you know, I mean, that's what they do in 
that's what they do in big shows, big yeah. secular concerts and stuff like yeah. that. They have. Yeah. yeah you, you, you're talking. You're talking to yeah, each other. The whole time. And it makes it way tighter and uh, makes it way better. In, uh, in a lot of places, they'll even have all the music. All the musicians will have microphones. And they all literally have kind of like their own little network. And they can talk back to the music director and different stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you just know. Like he would do a, just like he would do in rehearsal. Yep. Yeah. So anything you can do to enhance that is really, is really great. Um, Soundcheck has changed a lot since we got in-ears um, and it's changed even a lot more since we have the personal mixers or the phone app. Right. Um, It's actually made sound engineers jobs a lot easier once you, once you train the, you know, the, the musicians and the singers. And the stage is a lot quieter. Oh, for yes. sure. Yeah. You're not fighting, you're not fighting with front of house. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it's, there, there's still challenges because, um, it does change the dynamic of the room not to have stage monitors. Um, and if you've been mixing for years, it was actually hard when I started mixing ears, it actually was a, it was a huge challenge right at first because all of a sudden there's not this, there's, there's not this, uh, dynamic of 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 monitors on stage, right? Right, you're not fighting something. <laughs> yeah, and so all of a sudden it kind of cleaned everything up, and then you've got to think about your mix because I realized I was actually mixing, mixing. with the monitors in my mix. Uh, you know I mean, I was relying on that as mm-hmm. part of the soundscape, but not really knowing that you were, and not realizing it because you know, I mean, I grew up in an era where every, everything was wedges, you know. And so when I had to start pulling that stuff out, it was really interesting, but it's a huge, I mean, I, and here's the thing I recommend no matter what size church you have now in some churches, like kind of a little more like liturgical churches and stuff like that. Um, mainline churches, having people on in-ears that may make the congregation kind of uncomfortable, but in most churches that are gospel rock, you know, whatever, um, uh, contemporary, they don't care that you have in ears in, you know, and uh, it will just improve your sound immensely, immensely. And the thing is, you don't even have to have uh custom molds. Um, mm-hmm. You can just have, I mean, West tone. I, I'm a big fan of West tones and West tones, man, we had a ton of them and um, just got to make sure you clean them, especially now, you know, but everything's got to be cleaned. Everybody's have to have their own, the buds, individual buds, mm-hmm. but Man, it doesn't have to be like, you know, my, I, I'm, I'm wearing uh, ultimate ears right now that are my, that are custom molded for me, but you don't have to have those. You, you don't need them. Right. The have, great. Even yeah. the show, like the short, the three yep. 15 series, those are good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, uh, they sound great. They don't now, do they sound as good as my five drivers? No, no. but, but you know what? I mean, honestly, I always say this, I always tell people, I said, look, if you're a worship pastor or worship leader and you're literally singing or playing every week, if you're up on that stage every week, invest in some good in-ear monitors. Yeah. It's, it's worth the 500, mm-hmm. 600, 700 bucks. Cause it's your ears. These things fit, you know, really good. They don't fatigue my ears. Right. Um, but if you're singing once a month, you know, or once every two months, right. There's no reason to spend all mm-hmm. that money. Right. You know, you're, you're going to be fine. And right. the West, the West tones and the Shures and, and there's just lots of companies. They sound, right. they, 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 they sound right. fine, you yeah. know, and they're, they're, a, they're less than a hundred bucks. And, and if you step on them and break them, people don't freak out as much as if you step on your, you know, $800, uh, 
uh, ultimate ears. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Before we end, I'm going to ask you three questions. Um, just give me your answers. Um, for a snare drum, do you like top and bottom or just top? Just top. just top. Just top. Yeah. Sorry. I'm an old school guy. Just top. Just top. Okay. Beta, 57, you- beta 57 almost every time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Or 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 a Heil. Um, uh, Heil Those makes those are really nice. Heil, yeah, Heil makes a little drum mic, uh, the twenty threes, uh, which um, they're darker. So if you have a, a snare that you just can't control, uh, they they sound great. I'm a big Heil fan. I had a lot of Heil mics, um, several of my churches. But yeah, top, top. This top. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite? Oh, t- I'll say top three guitar mic cabinet mics. Top three. Uh, wow. Um, uh, Sennheiser E six oh nine. Okay. I like the old four oh nines, but you can't get them anymore. And if you find one, they're like two thousand dollars, which is ridiculous because the thing was like a hundred dollars when it was new. Right. Uh, but the six oh nine sound very similar, um, especially if you need a darker sound. It's another one of those mics. Mm-hmm. Um, a uh, uh, a Heil PR P, PR thirty five, okay, or PR PR forty, both excellent guitar mics. Um, and you know, to be honest, sometimes just a fifty seven. I mean, sometimes it's just the right mic. You know, it's one of the reasons they've sold more than. It. Sometimes the guitar. If you just have like a Marshall half stack. I'm almost always just going to put a 57. Seven. They just, and it's, it matters where you place the mic. So too, I was about to ask so. you that. So how do you do your on axis, off axis? So I am a big believer in going with the plane of the cone and putting the mic in between the desk cover and the ridge of the speaker. Um, I see guys all the time stick a mic right in the desk cover. And what they don't realize is, is there's phasing happening right there. So, so, so that is the one place in the speaker where there's actually the least amount of sound. Because mm. since a speaker is curved or, or, or uh, concaved, right. the, spe- the sound is actually going in. And right in that center, it's actually kind of like canceling it out. So what you want to do is you want to move it up. This is my opinion. And I'm sure there's other sound engineers out there right now listening to this going, you are wrong, man. But, <laughs> excuse me. But, um, yeah, I put it right there, right? And I, and I lined up the diaphragm of the mic with the, in the same plane as the actual cone uh, angle. Okay. Yeah, cool. generally. And then what I do is if it still sounds, if it sounds terrible when I do that, then I move it around until I like it. But I mean, that's where I always start. Always start. Favorite kick drum mic. Favorite kick drum mic. Well, that is, um, uh, uh, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> That is, that is, uh, I got it. I got you thinking. Yeah. Um, so the EV years ago had, um, EV years ago had a, uh, a kick drum mic that was, um, what was the original one called? Um, 
the original one was uh what is it here my memory doesn't serve me very well anymore <laughs> uh an re20 right re20 and oh, yeah. they were originally radio mics yeah right and so but here's the microphones they, they they are for like jazz and stuff but they don't take a ton of spl yeah right so um about 10 years ago electro voice came out with a kick drum mic version called the re320 320. and it'll do like 140 db at the diaphragm yeah, the black one the black one mm -hmm. yeah and it's a lot less money it's yeah, actually it's, only, it's, 200 it's under, bucks. like 200 bucks yeah that has become my go-to kick drum mic um and uh uh i love that mic um, it even has a kick drum setting on it, uh, it and it sounds fantastic. When we were first doing tests on it, I was just blown away. Um, I was at a church and we had, and I'm not a big sure uh, Beta 52 uh, lover, but it worked for the drum kit we have. So that's what we used. So we got this uh, uh, RE320 and um, put it on and didn't even re it. And he started playing the drum. And I remember looking back at my, my, my uh, audio engineer Marvin and and he looked at me like what is that what kind of mic is that that's crazy and so I had him flatten the uh, flatten the channel out just take out the EQ and it it sounded phenomenal and so instantaneously that became my mic like the RE320 it's affordable 200 bucks um, it sounds phenomenal um, it works on pretty much any drum and then the other mic that's my favorite mic, but you can't get them anymore, um, is the old Audio-Technica uh, ATM-25. Mm. Now, for years, was my go-to mic on toms, uh, floor toms and on kick drums. Um, used to be able to buy them for like, brand new, they were like $165. And then they stopped making them. And then like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, Audio-Technica, I don't know what they were thinking. They came out with the, like, the anniversary series. And they were like 500 bucks. And I'm like, wow. And I remember telling one of the guys at Audio Technica, I'm like, dude, nobody's going to pay $500 for a, eight, a 25 when I can get an original 25 on eBay for 200 bucks, for 100 bucks or 200 bucks, right? And so I owned a ton of them back in the day. Um, loved them. Great. It's a big, you know, it's what's well, like the RE320. It's a big yeah. diaphragm mic. Right. Um, and uh, you got to have a big diaphragm mic on the you know uh and and there are guys that like the pr40 uh the heil pr40 for my nice for mic. kick drum mics um nice i like i like them they you know pr40 is was really a radio broadcast mic originally yeah. that's what bob yeah. heil made yeah, it so it was the 320 yeah but but they but they sound they great take, yeah they take a ton um, of spl yeah yeah that, that's one of the things that they changed you know from because re20s if you can find them because i don't think they make re20s anymore they but if you them. can find them do yeah. they still make them yeah because they're they're really expensive though now they're like 400 um, bucks but i know that the broadcast guys still use re20s a lot <laughs> um i know that the sure uh sm7b's yeah, those, that's like the flavor of the of the month right now. It's like the mm -hmm. podcasting mic. Everybody has one. It um, sounds great on kick drums. If you they sound that. yeah, but the, but they really, if I'm going to have a kick drum mic, I'm almost always going to go with the RE321 first. So, yeah, it's uh, um, but again, going back to what we said, a lot has to do with the kick drum itself, because I've mic kick drums with 57s and had them sound pretty good because the kick drum sounded awesome. Right, you know, um, so in the size really, of then the size of the kick drum matters a lot. Too. Size of the kick drum, the heads are super important. Um, right. uh, I mean, if you want to 
do a deep dive sometimes you there's um there's a whole thing about the the guy that uh so there's a you know the rock band muse which was around for a long time alternative rock band there's this whole thing uh, uh, it's on youtube somewhere about how they did the kick drum and like there's like multiple heads wow. on the beater side and they're different heads and the, there was like this whole philosophy of how they got this like really super like punchy dark sound uh not muse uh the killers that's who it was okay. the killers it's the killers and so there's this whole thing and there's it's on youtube somewhere it was really interesting okay um, i gotta dig that up yeah i wouldn't do it for church because heads are expensive and you know you tend to go through a lot of them but right 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 you know. right. Uh, and also also the the air hole on the front excuse me the air hole in the front is really important um if you have one it, like i don't like it more than six inches that the max um, I would want it because I actually want it a lot of the a lot of how um, kick drums sound great is the air being forced through the hole there's a lot of the the, the the punch of a kick drum is that right and if that hole is too big you lose it you, you, you just don't have it and I like an aggressive like you know like an attack um, and, and, you know, and you, you get that aggressive attack when you, you know, like kind of a medium beater head mm-hmm. and then that, you know, and then I really like, um, uh, that some kind of a, some kind of a beater pad on the back kick drum, just a little like mm-hmm. tiny bit. I don't like it when the beater just hits a, a head. It's I like tap, it to have a tap, tap. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so there you go. That's, that's my, those are my recommendations. Awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, um, thank you for joining us. Episode 25 of the Church Sound Podcast with my good friend, Brother Van. Thank Thank you you. for being on the show, sir. I I learned a lot. I learned learned a whole lot, sir. I learned that I don't know much. (laughs) (laughs) You asked me a lot of questions. I'm like, I don't don't, don't really think I think of those things that much, so... No, it's it's been a it's been a, a huge pleasure, and and uh, I just uh, you know one of the things I just love is I love the I love the church I love the church tech community and the church sound community, and it's something I've devoted my life to. And um, um, I I I was super excited the first time I heard this podcast, and I was like, I I I love that there's other people that are jumping into this that have the passion that I have, um, and that you know are really trying to help. Uh, help the church community and the bride of Christ and just to be better yes. and to encourage um, you know because it's it's uh, what we do is hard folks what we do is hard and there's a lot of things it's not just people oppressing us there's spiritual realm oppressing us there's a lot of dynamics happening in a church service yes. and uh, you are a crucial part of that and so there are forces out there that want to compromise you by by getting you lost in little things that don't matter. Right. That's true. You gotta, you gotta keep the, the, the most important thing, the most important thing. And it's the main thing, and, the main thing. Yeah. And so I, Prentice, I, I really thank you for, for, uh, finally getting in contact with me. I, we, we've actually been trying to, I think we've been trying to connect for like two months. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So this has been great. Um, for my listeners, we're, uh, we're going to broadcast this on, uh, on uh, church tech profiles as well. And um, 
I think hey. we have to. Have a, I think we're gonna have to have a follow up episode, episode yeah. Prentice, where I interview you too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that'll um, be that'll be great. That'll yeah. Be great. So so thank you so much for having me on. It it was a it's a sheer a sheer pleasure, and I hopefully we've created a created a friendship and a partnership here that'll yeah it'll go on go yes, on for time. So yes, everybody, the, every all of your listeners, man, be encouraged. You're doing good work for the Lord and, and for the church, and and that's that's a good thing. Amen. But like we always say. Keep God first in everything you do. And we see you next time on the Church Sound Podcast.